We are Science Fiction Redman, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 51, Movie, Space Sweepers, for June 19th, 2021. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Redman. Thank you so much for coming back. This means a lot to us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. If you like this show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast with your friends and family. But before we continue with the show, here are our sponsors and collaborators. This podcast is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Find out how you can become a member by going to the website letschatpodcast.net. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Science Fiction Remnant. A good episode today. <laughs> a lot of nostalgia from other things. Yeah, sorry, we're, we're really late. If, if you happen to follow um, my first post, um, we were marked, we were ready for eight. Yeah. But we couldn't, we had some complications and we couldn't get to it, but yeah, we're here now. And uh, it's the movie's fault, but it was worth it. <laughs> um, the movie we're doing today is uh, Space Sweepers. It's a Korean uh, show uh, movie. Um, the this is the first time you saw this movie. Yeah, I had seen the trailers because you told me before. Never watched the movie before. And and I can tell you, um, this movie was released. Uh, in Netflix, uh, February 5th, 2021. I remember seeing the trailer. I got the okay. announcement when it first uh, got in, um, announced. And it's one of those movies that I placed on my to watch. Um, but I don't know why I never got around to watching it. Uh, probably because you never want to continue putting more things into your list reason why you haven't watched a lot of things that i want you to watch <laughs> my list is big but i'll keep dreaming <laughs> <laughs> the, the the movie is is incredible i i was really pre, uh, pleasantly surprised because i mean i do watch a lot of korean drama um, you have seen some korean drama yeah um so you can relate to my appeal for yeah. for that but I usually don't um, associate uh, Korean dramas to sci-fi. Well, we've seen some, actually, that have some sci-fi on it. Well, they, there's a lot of elements, sci-fi elements in some of the shows. Well, most of the shows that we watch in uh, Korean uh, shows. But this one's straight out. Full blast. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Sci yeah. Um, you can't go wrong with, like, you know, space and space junk and... Hey, that came out wrong. <laughs> space junk. <laughs> <Boing>. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, let's change the word space debris. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was, uh, it cost actually $21 million oh, wow. to make. 
Um, of course, because it is a Netflix uh, original movie, we're not going to get what the box office is. Um, I couldn't find, I mean, sometimes they release, you know, and I don't know how they come up with those numbers. And, and sometimes it's just hard to, to tell. Um, what the movie is, is based, is, is, is set in 2092. It's about a hundred years into the future. And it centers around. Hey, no, 70. We're closer. Yeah, well, close enough. <laughs> 70 that's let me yeah. dream maybe i'm gonna be a lone man walking on a stick <laughs> by then so it centers around this uh group of people they're um they're junk collectors so basically in this future um there was there's so much junk on um around the planet and you have a group of um people from all around the globe um, cleaning up the junk to, you know, avoid accidents. Like, you know, something falls to Earth or something falls into the other um, satellites that are there. And um, they are collecting the garbage and they get paid for what they bring. Kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a junkyard. You know, they, they, yeah. they you get paid by the metals they the, whatever you bring depending on the type of stuff and i saw that they want to even charge you if you don't disassemble it <laughs> yeah so so yeah this is um the future is this is slightly bleak if you think about it um and well actually not ex not slightly it's all the way bleak because apparently there's no trees on earth um so Everybody on Earth, it's it's kind of like a big global slum, and everybody wears masks because there's um, you know the, the the oxygen quality obviously. Um, so if you are rich, if you um, if you have the means, then what you do is you go up into satellites, and there's uh, this massive complex on space where it's like a space dome. Yes, exactly. Like a space dome. And you have like blue skies. I'm assuming they're projected in uh, mountains, mountains, trees. It, it looks like what um, an Earth utopia would look like. Yeah. So we have the big disparity between the, the classes right yeah. there. And, and the global conglomerate that is in charge of this so you know where i saw something like this in another movie mm -hmm. ellison with matt damon yes it's the same exact thing as a matter of fact the 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 universe could collide if you know if you stretch it a little mm -hmm. because everybody wanted to go up just yeah. like in this you know um the manifesto yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly so yeah it is it is a very bleak look into a future where you know earth had it and and now we're looking into the skies and um this conglomerate is looking into terraforming mars yeah so you know what is what was your initial reaction and and, and i don't know today was the first one you saw it right yeah what was your initial reaction on, on this and, and i'm kind of curious because 
I am a fan of another show. And I know you guys are going to say, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. And I know it's not the same thing. But I kept on... Gave me a lot of feeling from it, too. I get kind of vibes and, and flashbacks and, you know, all throughout this movie on this famous show that we're all waiting for. Uh, and if you guys are fans, you know what I mean when I say that when I watch the first part after they sh show the shitty Earth, they show like all those gates in the orbit of Earth and everything. And I just felt like in my head play, okay, let's three, two, one, let's jam. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I was kind of waiting for you to, to mention something because... Um, I thought I was alone on, on, on thinking that. I, I have a song for you, Robert. You are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your initial reaction when you saw this, this movie? And I, and I have to say, I had the trailer. I, I watched the trailer initially back in February. I added it to my list. And I was like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. Um, actually, I think I added it because you know how they Netflix usually sends you, you know, it's coming up and you can add the trailer. And in the meantime, I don't know what happened. And I just I got the notification that was out for Netflix, but I never watched it. I know what happened. And, and, and I mean, that's fine. You were busy watching Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Which we need to make more episodes. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, we, we we are definitely we're definitely gonna do one uh, another one on uh, on Doctor Who. I, I think I'm I'm a lot ready than I was when we recorded the first episode. Actually, it was with Ian, one of my, yeah. our good friends, um, that we recorded our Doctor Who episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and uh, listen to him. He's uh, from Cold Connections. Yes. Um, so we're planning to bring him back for another episode on Doctor Who. Um, but I think I'm ready because when I recorded that episode with him, I was a newbie, uh, and I still consider myself a newbie because I I still have not watched the classic ones. But you you consider yourself a scholar first level now? Um, yeah, maybe <laughs> half a level. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I, I'm not a newbie anymore. So, but yeah yeah um, the what was your your first impressions on this movie? Oh, I mean, I love this movie. I mean. Even though the situation looks dire, the character of every person in the crew keeps it lighthearted and funny and very sarcastic. <laughs> I love it all around, all around. And you actually tricked me because you're telling me like, oh no, this crew is better than the Bebop. And when I'm looking at them right off the bat, it's like, what? The people was a dream team next to these guys. <laughs> this is, and I'm telling you, before even seeing them, I say like, hey, the people was like a dysfunctional family. Yeah. And I, but I, but I, these people are like <laughs> freaking far worse, man. <laughs> I And what was the exact word that I used? I mean... You know, the, the, you know how the bebop is. This this is a lot better than the bebop. And then I said, just hold on to that comment, wait about five minutes, and let's come back to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, after five minutes, they're actually kicking each other's ass and stealing each other's money while betting with each other. The movie has a lot of humor. Yeah, 
it has a lot of humor and and i i i really like that in in uh in, in a sci-fi property yeah I, i do too absolutely now what's your favorite character bubs me too <laughs> <laughs> she's the best <laughs> no, that's another thing you know uh, and i'm kind of curious to to see your opinion on this one because when i watch bobs for the first time i mean it wasn't readily apparent from the beginning but eventually after you know her comments and stuff like that i for some reason i always keep referring to her as a her instead of an et because technically is an et because he has a personality is a robot but you know typically you would be him a here and i i always keep on referring to bubs as a her although she doesn't have a female voice no and doesn't look female it doesn't look female at all and um i don't know it's just i was kind of curious to see what your your thought on that is because i know why i think that is what brings makes this character so endearing to me yeah is the fact that i can see through all that and 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 see how see her for who she is exactly yeah exactly and it's it's kind of hard for for i, I don't know maybe it's not hard anymore but um i, I imagine for a, a normal i'm not even sure if i should say normal person um especially when there's no uh, indication from bubs you know like a parent i mean there there's hints here and there you, you have to pick up on i see bubs as a teaching lesson for viewers to see people as they are yeah i think that that, that she was that lbg lgbt symbol in the in the movie and i think i that's one of the other reasons why i love bub so much is because i mean you get to see her for who she is and accept her as she is and and you even made the the observation that besides his even his crew her crew at the beginning would not really refer to her as her yeah but as another dude well i don't i don't go as, i wouldn't go as far as another dude because if you look at even Yang, captain captain jang <laughs> captain yang too she, she's referred as another dude too and she behaves like one <laughs> she behaves like a dude it's obviously that she's a she's she's a woman but and she and it's obvious she's feminine too yeah yeah but the, the way that i look at it is everybody kind of takes each other for granted obviously because of the way that they It, it's not apparent from the beginning that they actually um, are glad to be with each other. Yeah. Right. But it's kind of like the, the way that I that I can associate this to is on how you would look at like maybe the relationship between brothers, how they like punch each other and kind of you know obviously this is on on steroids, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, like for example, when when Captain Yang um, pulled a gun right on uh, Tiger's face, yeah, <laughs> and you can tell that she had no intention to to um, shoot that gun. Well, we see later on she was not gonna kill him, so probably she was gonna shoot it. Well, you know, because it's a teaser. 
She was gonna fry his brain probably, but not kill him. Yeah, yeah. But he behaves like his brain is fried most of the time too. <laughs> and, and by the way, I have to mention, um, I actually came on, and I don't know, I don't know if you remember this or not. I came on on another show. I'm not sure when that podcast is that podcast episode is going to be released. Um, but I actually came on to uh, the Blockbusters uh, podcast and talk about um, space sweepers. So if you have not heard uh, that podcast, you know, go have a listen. Um, really cool content. So if you like, you know, just go and pick it up. Now, I'll, I'll probably announce on Twitter once I find out when my um, the, the, the episode that I came in on will be released. But... Um, I came out first on that podcast to talk about this movie. Um, and, and this is, you know, because of that podcast is when I realized that I did not or have not watched this movie um, after I have it queued in yeah. to watch. And that's when I mentioned it to you and you said you never watch it. You see, you've seen the trailer. So um, I, I just had to mention. So you guys, you know, give uh, the blog, which is a clever name. I like blog. Buster podcast, <laughs> so give it a listen. You know that that really really cool. They are there. So um, the this crew is obviously very dysfunctional and very <laughs> deep deep shit when it comes to debt. <laughs> they owe their own asses, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're they're betting the money they don't have in between each other. Wow. And it's stealing even food from each other. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they're, one thing that I have to say is they are very loyal. Yeah. You know, they, they, they can't hate each other, but which I don't think they do. No, I don't think so neither. Um, <clears throat> but they, they do, are very, they are very loyal. So they're in debt. They're in complete debt. They're... they're I think that they can, they're very close to having their ship repossessed. Yep. Uh, and, and just remember, in this um, universe, um, it, it makes sense because they're in space. You know, air, water, all that stuff is uh, stuff that we normally take for granted. Um, it, it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't come that by that easy. And I would expect that it's also, it would also be expensive. Yeah. I mean, we're playing with finite resources now. So, I mean, just imagine it's not like, for example, now where you can just have it shipped from earth. Um, you know, I mean, granted, it's not like it's going to happen now, but at least you have that is available on earth mm -hmm. in plentiful quantities. But in this universe is not. No, it's not. So that, that makes it a lot more impactful when you think about the, the you know, situation like earth and like air, water and all that, the things that we normally take for granted right now. So they, they're really in debt. And um, so I think I kind of understand why they are stealing uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to say stealing, but basically, here's the thing. It's like blaming a poor man for stealing a piece of bread. 
to to to, to, to be able to eat or feed their kids you know it's like what is it gonna do yeah let everybody die so desperation but what i was saying is you have uh you have this profession mm -hmm. let's call it space sweepers and there's a lot of people that have ships that do this and you kind of get paid based on the junk that you hold back in to the space so what this crew the crew of the victory that's the call that's the, what the ship is called um they are um they might not be necessarily the first crew they arrived at the at the location where they have the whatever space junk needs to be hauled um out um but they come and jump in get the junk and jump out mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm saying i don't know do you call it stealing technically they're 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 still on salvage you know they're salvaging they're in the middle of a salvage operation so that the reason why i'm saying this is because now i think i understand slightly why they were doing this because of and i don't know the the how what the situation of the others are but based on this movie we are placed in the position of them the the crew of the victory and 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 how they're in dire dire need of money yeah so at the beginning i was like you know <laughs> these people are jerks and now i understand it, it's just like you know you it's either you or me yeah and i mean think about it it's just like like bounty hunters when they're looking for a bounty i mean they're gonna fight each other for that reward if you think about it so it's kind of the same situation kind of a loophole in the situation there's no honor in like a code of honor when it comes to catching that space debris and taking possession of it you know until it's delivered it could be anybody's yeah yeah which is kind of messed up <laughs> So they are putting themselves in danger. It's like they're kind of like, like trash hunters, uh, warriors. And and yeah, and and I see this is the the little um, um, contrast, for lack of a better word, that I can see how they are. What what I like to think they are hated for doing that, but yet they're not. I mean, at the same time, they're kind of heroes because if not, that space debris is going to kill somebody eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So they are doing the job that nobody wants to do, but if they don't do it or nobody does it, there's more destruction coming their way. Definitely. Definitely. So they are, they, they finally got this ship that, um, they were they they were salvaging this is a, something that I, I wasn't too uh, clear into um but i think is the the ship it was um it was split into two because i remember the the scene where uh tail was um he's turning this ship it was kind of like a, it looked kind of like a container they're like freighters if freighters, you want to call yes. it something 
And he's telling, and okay, this this contains this and this and this, so it's going to be like, what was it, $512 or something? Yeah. And um, then, you know, because he ro- broke the antenna, it turned out that it was like $1,300, so he took the money back. And he owed like 500 and something dollars. <laughs> so he went to get his money paid and he ended up being told, no, you owe so much. And on top of that, he got the taxes uh, paper. That yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this, this, you, you can only feel sorry for, for, for them. So what happened is I thought that was it until they went back. And now I see them what appears to be dismantling this part, which I think it might have been the first, the beginning part or the front part of that ship. Yeah. Um, where you could see the cockpit is completely destroyed. Yeah, it's open to space. It's completely opened. So there is a compartment right behind the cockpit that it's filled with balloons. Yeah, white balloons. White balloons. And and this, uh, for all of you who have not seen this movie, is kind of like the equivalent f- to an airbag in mm-hmm. space. So, and this is something that I wanted to um, ask you too, is like there's usually procedures that you have to follow when, um, you know, on case of an accident, you know, mm-hmm. when you go on an airplane, then, you know, they tell, you know, the first thing you see before they take off as they show you, you know, this is what you do. Uh, in case of this, you do this. In case of that, you do this. And, and they show you where everything is. And <laughs> exactly. So the, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because when I saw them going to, you know, tail, actually, he he kind of grabbed a, a, a crowbar and he was going to open that, that. Yeah, I feel that was very like, why are you doing that? Like, you're not even checking inside of it. Exactly. And like, then, what if you kill somebody opening that thing? But the, what I thought was, and this is me and the first time that I watched this movie, I was thinking the same way until I realized that there are there the was same. no pressure when they, he opened it up i was like oh yeah there was no pressure too but not before you know that action when he's about to open i kind of think on the worst case scenario and then i realized hold on a second just like when we do fly on airplanes they have procedures and if, and of course this is not something they spoke in the movie no but i would only imagine that they said in case of an, an emergency you get on a spacesuit because everybody, you have a spacesuit inside the ships. You put it on, and then you'll be safe, which makes sense. Yeah. And when I think about it that way, then the scene, although it was not explained to me, kind of makes sense. When he opens it up and the balloons come out, there's that little girl in there, and she's inside a spacesuit. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your opinion, because it seems like you were on the same thought as me. You kind of freaked out when he got the, the crowbar. I actually said out loud, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Until I saw that they kind of pulled the crowbar and there was no pressure coming out of it. Because mm-hmm. they're in outer space doing this thing. So I was like, oh, okay. Whatever was in there is dead. Yeah, yeah. But then we see the little girl in a spacesuit inside of it. Like, oh, okay. Did you, st- did you think about uh, procedures? 
like I did or, or not really? Yeah, that's what I said. What the heck are you doing when he was just pulling the crowbar on the door? No, but I mean safety procedures. Like when of course, like like I was expecting a dead body of a human being without a suit just floating out of it, you know. That's what I was expecting out of it. Like I would check first in some kind of way, but it didn't feel like they checked much inside no, of it. No, they just went ahead and like, okay, let's just break this thing up and check what is inside. Well, then again, I mean, the cockpit was completely destroyed, so. But you but, might. But that cabin was completely separated from it. Yeah, it's like what I told you later when they separate themselves in different rooms. And I'm like, okay, that shouldn't save them. So we're we're thinking about two separate, completely distinct procedures. You're talking about procedure for salvaging in case there's survivors, and I'm talking about procedures for the for the passengers to be prepared in case of an accident, just kind of like when you go on an airplane. So when they separated themselves in separate rooms, they were. Protecting themselves from an explosion inside the ship. On a, spa on a spacesuit. Uh, uh, well, they were not on a spacesuit. No, no, but I mean, what I was thinking about is, like, whoever the, the, the people that were on the ship, and, and I'm, the reason why I'm saying this is because I base myself on, obviously, this is sci-fi. This is yeah. completely made up. But I, I kind of follow the trajectory of what happens on travel now. So when you go in a sh on, a, on a, at a ship, which is an airplane right now, they tell you what you need to do in case of different kinds of emergencies. Yeah, I don't feel like they follow much of this code. I think that they're more orthodox the way that they do things in space. I think they do. I think in this world... It just comes to second nature? This is the reason why. When they opened it up, the girl was inside a spacesuit. So that means they follow procedure. You see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. Still, they now, were surprised to find that. They don't have procedures for salvaging, maybe, because of what Tahoe did by just grabbing the, the, the crowbar and just going at it. So that kind of procedure they don't have. No. And, and, and it makes me wonder, and this is something because they are not technically, you know, I guess I don't want to call them professional. They're just salvaging. Yeah. So uh, we kind of see these kind of procedures in the expanse, too, if you think about it. They kind of prepare themselves with spacesuits, even if they are inside of a ship, just in case of a wreckage, wreckage something. Exactly. So I, I think what. The, the procedure, this is another question that you brought up. Uh, I mean, when you said it, it kind of brought up in my mind was that the fact that they don't have a procedure for salvaging, you know, salvaging uh, sh uh, ships. So my question is, do you think it's because of the line of work that they're in? Yeah. I mean, they're doing salvage. They're not doing rescues. If you think about it, this is more related to a rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Then salvage. They're dealing with with trash, space debris. Yeah. So they're not considering any kind of living form to be enclosed or encased in anything that they're recovering. So you're saying they're probably expecting if there's anything there to be completely long dead. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. How they? I mean, at the beginning of the movie. They are pulling and howling that thing like it's a rag doll across space. 
So there's not much consideration if there's somebody alive on that ship yeah. <laughs> in that trajectory. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, you know, I don't know. If it's a, I just wanted to get your opinion on that because that's something that, that I kind of thought about when I was watching. And, and it seems like we're in the, in the same path, you and me, because we both freaked out initially. So I guess after the crowbar is what made the difference between you and me, where I started analyzing, oh, okay, so that mm -hmm. it was going to be okay. And you kind of felt okay because when he opened it up, there was no pressure. Yeah. I was like, who? But you were on the dark side. I'm in the, I'm on the happy side. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, you know, for me, it's like, this oh, whoever you, is there is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so for you is, is, uh, you know, whoever's there is dead. So it's, it's okay. You know, yeah, it's okay if they're dead. And for me, as uh, whoever is there is alive, they're inside a space soup, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the same reaction, it's just different, you know, meanings on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which for me, it turns out to be really good for the, uh, you know, the, the, the character in this movie. Yeah. The, the little girl. So now what? They, <laughs> they have this little girl. They brought it inside the ship and they're not sure what to do. Yeah. Kind of kind of like what the Bebop did with Ed. Oh yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> so you see what I mean? And not alone. No, no, no. There's a lot of similarities. It, a lot. It makes me wonder, you know, if how much inspiration you yeah, brought. But, you know, yeah. Even the space gates. Like the tolls that they have on space to go in and out of the planets. You kind of see that. At the beginning yeah, of the movie. Although they don't have the space case here, it, it's very similar to the space gates you would see. You know, the, the rounds of, or the circle or structures like, in space. Yeah, like giant rings. And then you have ships just like cruising like, like they are air highways mm -hmm. going through the orbit of Earth. That's what it looks like at the beginning of the movie. They don't make much focus uh, on these part of the system. Mm -hmm. But they show it shortly at the beginning of the movie, for sure. Yeah. So it, it it's very the movie was really good mm -hmm. and, and and I don't know and that's a very good question for me to ask the audience if you listen to it, this episode reach out to us on Twitter and let me know but I don't know if if it's because I I am so in love with the the Cowboy Bebop franchise and and there's so many similarities um if the, partly, I mean, the movie is its own, obviously. The story is completely different. Um, and, and the story is amazing. But I wonder what percentage of that has something to do with the fact that it's very similar to um, Cowboy Bebop. I think that it has, I don't think that it's coincidence. I think that it has a lot of similarities. But I don't think that the story is the same at all. No, no, not at all. I don't know. So they have this little girl, and, and what are they thinking about next is how they're going to make money with her. You know, first question they came up was like, you know, uh, does A she has parents? Freaking hungry dogs. <laughs> does, does she has parents? I mean, do they do they work for the conglomerate? Um, you know, because if they if it, if they work for the conglomerate, they have a lot of more possibility of getting money than if it was from anywhere else because you know 
So, it, and <laughs> that's what I felt when they start doing that. It's like they're like, <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> then the next thing was what I found to be <laughs> really funny. Um, you care to um give me your perspective on <laughs> the news that they see? <laughs> Yeah, no, that was actually kind of hilarious. Because, I mean, this girl is, like, the cutest little thing you've ever seen. Like, it will me me melt your heart. And basically, um, they just shit their pants when they see that there's some news going on where this is, like, an explosive bio robot or something like that. And they show some video of like a little robot that looks the same size as the girl just blowing up in camera. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, <clears throat> this scene, I think it's the first time that I notice how the director plays with the audience. Okay. Because in one scene, you see the crew looking at the TV screen, watching that newsreel about Dorothy being a robot that... um you know the, the it's it's a bomb basically yeah. it could be detonated and then what you do next is you turn around because you want to confirm you know there is a picture of dorothy and you want to look back and see she's actually the one and when they turn around the next thing you see she's gonna sneeze she's about to sneeze <laughs> They were like, get down! Everybody, I, I, you know what came to mind is from that movie from uh, Terminator, I can't remember, I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I can't remember what the movie is, like, Dina, get down. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody went down to the floor. Uh, which I don't know. Down. I don't know how much help that's going to be on a bomb, but, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> she sneezed. She looked down. Everybody is like, with their hands on on their head, kind of like what you do on an airplane. Yeah, and um, she, she goes down and so puts does the same in copies, <laughs> and everybody's like, they realize, okay, there wasn't an explosion. I'm still alive. They look up, and now they're fighting to you know who's gonna get to go inside. Uh, uh, which I like to think in this ship, they, there's bulkheads in the yeah. ships, based on that first. Uh, you know, the salvage ship where they found the girl, it looks like ships in here has bulkheads because if you notice how the, the, the front cockpit was completely blown out, it looks like that was an explosion, yeah. some sort of bomb. But yet when you look behind that door and that, that case, it was, intact. it was completely intact. So I like to think, maybe I'm wrong here, but I like to think that ships here are have bulkheads and that explained why everybody was trying to rush into a room to close the door. I still wonder why spaceships are not made of the same materials of the freaking doors if the doors don't blow up. <laughs> well, That's you know, like some people, well, I mean, this question well, is more hilarious. Well, but. think about a car, for example, yeah. how they build a car. The car has to have a, a case, mm -hmm. in a, you know, metal case, a, however you want to build that case, but that case has to be impact resistant. And then on top of that case, because you, you can't have the body being the same material as the case, otherwise the car will be completely heavy. Mm -hmm. 
So then you put in, you know, the, the aluminum or whatever it is that you want to put on top. So I like to think, and again, you know, this is far-fetched. You know, I'm just kind of grasping straws here based on what I see. But it looks to me like the, the same concept happens on building ships in this universe where they, the cabins are built built inside uh, bulkheads. And then they, they put the bulkheads together and build the ship around it. It could be. That would make a lot of sense, actually. So, you know, again, I could be completely wrong, but it does explain why they're running around and, and trying to beat each other to a room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And I mean, everybody's ran on a separate direction mm -hmm. and got to find a room alone for each for, for themselves. So now they're looking through the little window. <laughs> they're deciding who's going to go and uh, and deal with the menace question is if if in fact it is what they think it is a robotic bomb what are they going to do i mean yeah a you, cute robotic bomb yeah very cute little girl and um what what are they going to do i mean yeah tail got it uh, selected but yeah, yeah, I they mean, do paper, rock, paper, and scissors, and that goes like, oh shit! I, I think like everybody went paper, and he went rock. Like it felt like everybody already knew what he was gonna do. That's what he <laughs> felt like. And he's like the pushover of the group, as you mentioned earlier throughout the movie. So it's like everybody knows him already. <laughs> <laughs> that was just hilarious. But I think the burst. I think the best person for that job would have been Bob's. Oh, you know, but then again, Bob's is just like anyone on the crew. You would think that it, that a robot has a computer brain, but I, I I think I that's one of the things that I like the most about Bob's is the fact that they didn't make it to be kind of like what a robot would look like on a sci-fi's you know yeah, property. Yeah, not no superior. It doesn't feel like Bob is superior intellectually, but more cognitively. Yeah. So he can read better than us. Uh, he can do calculus better than us. Mm -hmm. But he's a sentient being too. Yeah. So he has that intuitive part that makes him human in a way. Yeah. If you think about it psychologically, Bob is a human to me. That's the sense that I got. And I think that's the genius of uh, a combination, I like to think, of the writers and the director mm -hmm. of this movie. Where they make you feel that way, you know, you know how hard it is to make you believe, and 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 also, a big majority of that has to do, on top of the lines, with the actor. Yeah, and and, and so to make you believe, you know, by you know what you watch. How many things? How many times have I watched something that the acting is so bad you don't really feel? Yeah, you know, and this is one of the great things about this. Which, by the way, I don't think it matters in which language you watch. And this is another question that I was going to ask you. Remember when I said I was going to watch it? Which, by the way, um, to the Blog Buster podcast, um, I still have not watched it in Korean. Um, I'm, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> we watch it in English today. Um, but remember when I said <clears throat> it doesn't really matter. I watch it in English and I watch it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really see, a, you know, aside from minor differences in the translation, which you could even see, if you don't speak any other language but English, just put the English subs 
when you watch it in English and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's slightly differences, uh, you know, on the translation, but um, I don't think it was that far off that it drew a few of the story. No, I don't think so neither. I think that uh, we kind of seen these before. I kind of experienced the same when I was playing Cyberpunk because mm-hmm. they portray the same kind of future. It's kind of funnier in Cyberpunk because mm-hmm. you're seeing it from within the perspective of the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you can adapt to if you think about it. Yeah. Like when I'm playing Cyberpunk, for example, if I'm in in the city where people speak Creole, mm-hmm. you you start seeing like uh, subtitles drawing up, and after a few seconds, actually, you, your your program inside of your head from your neural port already updated, so you actually can understand in English what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So I kind of can adapt to that idea. And and this is very familiar to all of all of you listening who are fans of anime. Um, because a typical anime fan, because of what happens prior to Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. it, it would prefer to watch an anime in Japanese with English subtitles because of the acting. Yes. Um, but what I'm trying to say with this movie is, it, I think it, it was it was done so well that it doesn't matter. I mean, you could actually put it on Chinese. I even told you when they were talking, I told you like, I can't actually notice they're speaking Korean, uh-huh. even though we're listening to English. Because exactly. you could see their mouth would not really match up with uh, mimicking what you could hear on the audio. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, you could put it, if you put it, for example, do you can do this test and then let me know how it works out. Put the movie on, on, the, on the Chinese track, mm-hmm. right? Or, or Japanese track, whatever track you prefer that is not English. And, and put the subtitles in English and then watch the movie. And, and this is something I really want to, I keep on talking and talking and not letting you, because I really want to hear what your opinion on that. Because I told you that prior to me putting the movie and you were kind of like, eh, I don't know. I said, like, no, we'll see. In Korean, I think that it will be better, actually. But like, do you see what I'm talking about? Like, regardless of what track you put on? Absolutely. I mean, it's something, it's an observation I had at the beginning because he's talking to this lady that he's bringing some scraps and rice that he stole from his partner. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, she's talking in German, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it, it seems like it was German, but I might be completely mistaken. Me too. Yeah. Don't, don't blame me. <laughs> I don't speak any of it. Uh, but basically, you can notice that she picks up a device to understand what he's saying after mm-hmm. ignoring him. And then I told you like, okay, I can understand what he's saying. I can read what he's saying on the subtitles. They're not putting subtitles or translating what you're saying. So you're hearing one sided conversation, mm-hmm. but you can make up more or less what, what she's be. trying to say, even though you can't understand jack shit of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by his responses. Yeah. Word after word. So that was kind of clever, actually, of the director. That was brilliant. And, and let me explain this for all of you who have not watched this. Is in this world, on this universe, if you want to call it, um, everybody speaks their own language. And, but something that I find amazing that I wish this could become a reality is that language is not a barrier. 
uh, because everyone, every citizen, regardless if you're on Earth or on, uh, you know, on, on any of the satellites, they wear this device on their ears. And this device translates for you. So I can have a conversation, say, in Spanish with uh, Giancarlo, and he can respond in English, and we can completely depend on our devices on our ear for have a full, you know full conversation, and um, so that's the reason why I'm saying you can put it in any language because even if you put it in English with English subtitles, mm-hmm. there's going to be you know a big portion of the movie that you'll hear someone speaks in Spanish because that's the language that they're 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 from or you know that they're they're speaking. And they put the, the, the subtitles on the bottom. So it, I think this is clever from the, the, the story makers, the screenwriters, and the director on, on, on making you feel, because that's exactly how you feel. You hear them speaking Chinese, you read the subtitles in English, and you feel like that machine is in your ear. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's really cool. And actually, there's some devices that exist already. Yes. That are kind of like that, but you have to hold them up as you're speaking to it, and then you have to hold it back when the other person is talking to you, so you can actually get it translated on the go. Well, if you if you watch the the um, the Apple announcement, you know the, the next operating system, you, you'll be able to hold up translate without pressing a button, and um, apparently your iPhone or Apple device will be able to identify who's speaking and what language they're speaking and translate to the other language that the person is talking and and that will get translated back to the original language for the first person who spoke. So I'm going to I'm going to hold back on trying to learn new languages. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it it's it's in the right direction but it's not what happens in this movie, which is really cool. It, it in this movie that translating device seems to be real time. Yeah. And I mean I mean at the end of the day they do not speak that language. Mm-hmm. So that's some that's one thing that keeps me curious because there are certain things you cannot translate, like body language and idioms. Mm-hmm. And cultural reference yeah. that still gets lost in translation. So translation can be a very tricky task to master exactly. with mere technology. Yeah. Now, one thing that I was thinking about, based on something you said, and, and I'll go back and say this, um, even if you watch it in English, it is very clear to you mm-hmm. that they're speaking Korean. Yes. So even at that, you still feel like you have that device in your ear. Yeah. And and that's why I don't know. I mean, you you see what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. It, it, and I don't think I've seen a movie do this before. No. Where they they're slightly immersive. It is very. You know, on the at least on that sense. It is. It is. I mean, I mean, it's like it comes to second nature to you that there's not a lingual barrier. Even though you see people talking in many different language, 
Because, I mean, a little bit further, we had that French guy, which was hilarious, too. <laughs> and you're seeing it. He's not talking English, practically. Yeah. He's yeah. doing some words, but then he talks with his colleagues in French completely. Yeah. And you still don't feel alienated when they're talking in another language. And it's kind of cool, because when he speaks in a way that uh, Teo understands, you can see how he's speaking broken. Mm-hmm. So... This is what you would expect of someone that doesn't fluently speaks Korean and is throwing you some words or conversation. You know, he was a lot mm -hmm. more conversational, obviously, but it makes sense that he was not. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? He's 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 not. He, that's not his niche. His natural language. Yes, absolutely. It, we it, actually it, see several other characters from different walks throughout the movie mm -hmm. doing the same thing where they're talking English, but you can hear a very strong accent and you can hear that they do not dominate the English language as a, the, their first means of communication. The first thing that you realize what's going on, aside from that first initial, you know, uh, scene where they, that lady that had the broken translator was <laughs> took Theo's uh, shoes, um, is it, when they took the little girl When Bob said, um, you know, how can you ask if she has, I think it was, they were trying to find out if has, she has parents. And it's like, she doesn't have a translator on. And then she spoke and Bob says, oh, you speak Korean? <laughs> <laughs> so even at that, it's yep. very, it is very, um, it, it, it brings you home. It brings you in because you're like, oh, I'm speaking Korean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because exactly. I understand. He kind of shares their point of view to the viewer of the movie. Exactly. So, uh, this movie has a lot of, like, twists and turns. And, and I'm kind of curious to, to see your opinion. And, and I think it speaks to the director's chops. Mm-hmm. Um, Like one, one scene, and you know, if you guys are listening to podcasts, to this podcast, you know that we just go all over the place. So there's a scene where, you know, they, they, they had the little girl, they have to rescue her. Yeah. And they go in <clears throat> and rescue her. And what's going on is there's a, Um, hydrogen bomb mm -hmm. and this bomb when it explodes uh, and you know obviously it's going to be in space it, it it has a range of um about five i want to say about five thousand kilometers yeah five thousand kilometers sounds about right Yeah, about five, isn't that five thousand five thousand three hundred and something kilometers? I think that was around three thousand over three thousand miles. Yeah, more or less. More or less. Yes. So they have to run fast mm -hmm. to, you know, to to kind of cat, try to be outside that range to save the little girl because apparently, um, the the little girl has nano technology that she can control but also that nanotechnology is keeping her alive because of her medical condition yeah so the hydrogen bomb explodes and i think the radiation 
okay, from that bomb will kill the nanobots. And by killing the nanobots, she has no protection for her disease. They're not curing her. They're protecting her. So then, in essence... We don't even know if she will actually die right off the bat. Yeah. Well, they said that she's going to eventually die from her disease. And we know from that flashback that she couldn't even walk. Mm -hmm. So they're running. We don't even know at what point it's going to come back uh, with progress. Meaning if the hypothesis of the nanobots stop working on her, Mm -hmm. she will start progressing again to to become ill. Mm -hmm. But if she would just drop ill as she was before recovering. Yeah. They yeah. did not clarify that much, though. Yeah. But it left me a wonder because it would tell me, it would actually clear the doubt on how those nanobots work within the body. You know? Okay. That's what I felt. Well, what, the idea was they got the little girl. They run real, real fast so they can reach that. 5,100 kilometer mark and then when a bomb explodes then she'll be safe and throughout the entire scene where they're being chased as they are running away from from the radius of the of the wave um we're treated with a series of clip i mean not clips but like a change of scenes mm-hmm. so there's a scene for example where they're saying uh, how's the little girl and bubs looks down and says she's good she's she's good in the container and <clears throat> later we find out that she was never on the ship and that was to me at least and, and i wanted to get your opinion on that to me it was really really clever and amazing it was my trippy it, it, it felt like I was being punked by the director thinking that the little girl was all alone in danger when she was not. At the end, they show she was never in the ship and they were just throwing people out. What was on the ship was the bomb. Yeah, I think that, that was a trick on all of us as audience that we are willing to save a little girl over the freaking world. <laughs> <laughs> You know that that's that's true. It is true. Well, you know, I don't know what part of that would be our own wishing, and what part of that was that director Instinct. guiding us, yeah, into thinking that was was going on. Exactly. I was like, I thought to myself after I was like, holy shit! I was more concerned for the little girl to be safe than the actual freaking world. Because remember, <laughs> if, if you if you guys don't know what we're talking about, the hydrogen bomb was going to explode inside this huge um, flying colony flying colony it was kind of like a, they call it the fat the, the factory is where they built some things mm-hmm. it, it wasn't really apparent to me what they were building there but that thing was huge it kind of reminisces a death star it was round in yes. shape so that thing was so huge it, it falling into earth was gonna just it, kill everybody on it, it yeah it was going to kill a big majority of you know everybody on Earth. Not only that, but that that radiation from the hydrogen bomb was going to just keep Earth clean from any kind of living life. So you look at this, and then you kind of feel bad because you're like, okay, the little girl is safe, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like goodbye, world. <laughs> oh, they died. Or you know, we 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 have Mars. 
Exactly. Yeah, no, man. I, I was, I was just like, I just caught myself on the one that I was like, "Holy crap!" I didn't give a shit about the whole world. I just wanted the little girl to be saved. And at the beginning, when I'm seeing the dead, like the Earth, kind of dead, because he's so overkilled, I also wonder myself, like, why are we not living under the oceans? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good thing they you didn't mentioned. even touch that. It's a good thing you mentioned that because. I, I was thinking, <clears throat> this the, the 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 owner of this conglomerate. Mm -hmm. The whole idea was to leave Earth orbit, go to Mars, mm -hmm. and terraform it. And he has a plan of terraforming, and and he shows you how it's going to look like. Even from the beginning, you see Mount Olympus, like with a peak of. Um, Kind yes, of like what you see on freaking Mars. On Mars, yes. Oh my god! So, I was looking at all this, and then look back at at Earth, and like I was thinking, why doesn't he do that on Earth? Yep. And apparently, I was not the only one thinking this because we have this, what was it, reporter mm -hmm. that was telling him because apparently what they're doing is they're dumping bio waste back on Earth. Yep. And in Earth, kind of what we've been doing already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I don't know. Did you, did that come across you at all? I mean, he's talking about Mars and all this stuff he's going to do on Mars and how they have to move to Mars. No kidding, terraform it and so and so. It's like, you know, Earth is in such a sh bad shape. You could terraform Earth. Yep. And then. Move to Mars. I mean, <laughs> at this point, Earth is more contaminated than I-95 or Palmetto at noon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Florida reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, what what did you think at that point? I mean, were you thinking the same thing as me? or I did. And, and I think that the movie, on a way, it makes a call for conscience. Uh, towards uh, the preservation of Earth. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing on this movie. I don't know if that's only me, but I, I think that is a big call of conscience I, on I, the preservation of the... I kind of felt it too. Um, actually, I don't know if you noticed, um, think it was towards the beginning. You, you get to see the state that the planet is in. And it looks like Chernobyl. Yeah, there's it's there's, worse than Chernobyl because Chernobyl is full of shit. You see the, this this um yellow halo. Um, skies are not blue anymore. Air is dusty. Um, completely and, and then dusty. You see how the planet is fighting mm -hmm. for survival in the way of that little tiny plant coming across the asphalt. Mm -hmm. and the next thing you see is a car running over it and yeah. destroying it and i kind of feel bad yeah it's, it's kind of the killing of all hope that it was left that, that was what that image really symbolized and and you know i have to and give nobody it to nobody was there to even notice or care about that Exactly. That's what he shows you on the image. I mean, it's this little teeny tiny plant coming out of the crack of the pavement, and then the freaking truck just go over it, and then it keeps on going with life like everything and nothing else happened. 
and 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 the the sad thing is that is what the planet needs mm-hmm. and no one notice or cares and kills it i mean instead of helping it yeah and, and that is a nod to the director i mean that scene as small as short as it as it is was full of meaning it had that big impact I, agree. I was kind of curious because I don't know if you if you noticed it. So I was kind of curious to ask you about that part. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that that scene was very deep, to my understanding. And and it and it's really messed up because that whole scene is what five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it took. So I'm kind of curious too if you guys when you guys see this movie, um, l- let let us know. You know if you caught it because it's so short because if, if you don't if you're not paying attention it's just gonna go by you're not gonna notice it yeah no it's it's like it's kind of like a shortcut throughout the day the day after day that they leave on earth really yeah yeah when they show this little scene so i'm kind of curious to see if you if you noticed it and if you did or and now if you're listening to this and you go watch the movie again once you notice it did it cause that impact on you that it caused on me? Because um, I'm kind of curious to see on that. But again, you know that they, it, it notices that the you can notice that the the detail that the director I, I don't know what part of that into the screenwriting, um, but it, it seems like every little detail was taken care of in this movie to kind of guide you through what was the story and what the director wanted you to know at the time. And it shows a lot about the the filth that it's within us as humans too mm-hmm. on the movie. Not because of our characters on the crew, but because of like the bad guy on the movie and the people that collaborate with him and what their mission is really. Yeah. And then how fo- how fooled or self-deluded are those that live on that dome on space that are like turning a blind eye on the reality of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sad because you, you, you get a sense that the people that live on that dome care, right? You get a slight sense of that, especially at the end. Mm-hmm. but it, it sounds, it looks like they turned a blind eye to what was going on outside their dome mm-hmm. because it wasn't happening to them, which yeah. is human nature. Yes, absolutely. It's not a problem until you're either directly or indirectly affected. On the receiving this. end. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's kind of sad. And that dude, that, that, boss of the conglomerate um he you i think you you hit it on the on the nail dr Um, (laughs) vaney dr vaney the utf owner um he had a yeah he every time that he got pissed off complex yeah he did and i liked like every time he got pissed off it was like he had a very very bad constipation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even his voice would change <laughs> yeah yeah now that you mention it that cannot be unseen <laughs> so bad that veins popped out you know yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god i'm gonna have to watch it again my blood vessels i'm breaking gotta I go i am so sorry guys if you watch this movie now that cannot be unseen <laughs> i'm just gonna laugh and remember me <laughs> but he had it he has a a big um god complex and he feels justified and everything yes. he did Uh, everything he he every time he has to show himself to the people on the dome, he has to show himself in a that giant hologram. Like when I like saw God. that, I was like, "Oh my freaking god! What the heck is this?" And what color were the ropes? White. <laughs> I'm telling you, but and he's talking, doing these hand gestures and stuff. I was like, "Oh my god, he's like God, but a politician at the same time." I think now that you mentioned that, I think. Those are the ones that make the worst villains. Because mm -hmm. when we meet this guy for the first time. Oh, my God, bro. He's very, he looks like, wow. He's very mild-mannered. He is planting trees. Yeah. He's shaking the hands. He's very friendly, very polite. Like, so natural with hands full of dirt, feeling so, like, innocent. And... and <laughs> It, those make the best villains. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's because you don't see them coming. You don't see that coming. No. Or it makes their evil more perverse. Because I feel, in a sense, they feel, I think, what most, what makes a great villain is that everything they do is justified as being the right thing to do. Yeah, kind of like what a what a dictator do does. If mm -hmm. you think about it, like they think they're doing the right thing, even though they're doing atrocities, mm -hmm. in order to justify the means of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. It makes him the more dark and perverse when you see this part of him. Now, what what sets him apart is that it seems like. Which, by the way, he's 150 years old. Well, um, he looks like the youngest 50 years old I ever seen. I, what would you say, 45? Yeah, at most. Okay. At so, most. So, it seems like the reason why he's very even-mannered, polite. It, it, and, and again, I'm going to hear your comments in here because I'm going to give you my opinion of what I think is going on um he he has a hard time controlling his emotions mm -hmm. because in every scene where i see him getting upset it kind of escalates and the effects are felt even physical because veins and i don't know if you want to call them veins uh, start, arteries it's start showing up and and, and the Getting reason black and red and the reason why i'm saying i don't know if they're veins because they could be nanobots because in this thing is all about nanobots everywhere but they weren't really clear as to what was going on but the guy looked like a monster mm -hmm. um you know it, he could be mad and, and it escalates to the point where he's completely pissed off And now we're seeing a complete different person and we see a true villain in there. 
um, to the point where, you know, it's a monster. It's what we expect a villain to look like. Yeah. All it, coming from this well-mannered individual. And I'll show you what, what he looks like. Like for anybody that wants to look up physical comparison, there's a, there's like a, some kind of condition that is merely caused by uh, stress, but it basically makes all the veins on your body become black and painful. It's called fibromyalgia. Okay. okay. And that's what it looks like whenever he's getting pissed. It's like his fibromyalgia just going nuts. On steroids. On steroids, Because yeah. that thing goes all over his body, including his face. And even yeah. his eyes change. Yeah. And basically, that's what fibromyalgia is supposed to do. Like, when stress becomes chronic, mm -hmm. like, you can see, like, bruises in the shape of veins over your skin. And mm -hmm. they're supposed to be highly, highly painful. Wow. And this guy is... Is half robot. Yes. I and, mean, and I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, the guy's 150 years old, so things are going to give out. But I mean, they show the scan. I will say more than half because you spot two organs when they're doing the scan on his body, and then you spot parts on his brain. Mm -hmm. I noticed even his lungs were not original. Correct. Even the lungs. So it makes me even wonder maybe even his skeletal structure. Mm hmm. It's not even original. Well, anymore. it would make sense because <clears throat> at the age of what eighty or seventy, you it, start losing bone mass. Bone mass. So it, it would make sense, but I mean, you imagine how painful that operation would look would be. I mean, that's the least of the things that he should have paid for everything that he did. Wow. So yeah, this. <laughs> Yeah, like we were, we we both were wish wishing him by the end of the movie. Like, oh, I want you to have a dad, like painful dad, you asshole. <laughs> like when he died, I wanted to see his face burn into the skull. <laughs> That's how much he's such a great actor. <laughs> That's how much I was hating. I yeah. hated him more than King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's that's. I'm glad that you said that because I mean, for you to feel so passionate about a villain. He has to be a great actor. Oh, yes. He did a great job. And it was... You, but I hate him. <laughs> you want to come across that TV and you wanted to just... You know, what did I say in, in, towards the end? I wish he had a, an EMP bomb up his butt. Uh, up his butt. <laughs> <laughs> See, all his organs just shutting down. Because <laughs> his organs were all metals so, yeah. you know, and electronics. So the EMP would be a perfect justice for him. <laughs> I would throw some EMPs like with very like a couple of meters radius only up his feet first. So just to see it falling on his knees, we're not going to throw. But yeah, but, great actor. He did a great job. But I get I get what you say, especially at the ending where, you know, the bomb, the hydrogen bomb exploded in his face. Yeah. Poetic justice. But it wasn't... It wasn't good enough. No, because the moment that, that that the glass is broken, they just saw a little yellow, like it's just the warm sun, and then they just cut the scene, and then you see just explosion. And he says, like, what was it that he said? It's like, why, why, like uh, really moron? Uh, after everything I did, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's one because thing. of what you did. That's one thing. I, I don't know where I read it and how it specifically say. But that's the danger of a tyrant that is working 
in its own conviction. Because mm -hmm. when a tyrant is convicted, it has a, it has the conviction of what they're doing is the right thing. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter how bad it is. They think they're doing something good in their heart. And, you know, I do get it. I do understand he had a, a very tragic backstory, which most villains do. Um, he, uh, which never justifies. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he saw his own mother. I mean, um, scream as her flesh was being burnt, um, and she was alive. Um, and she's and he saw genocide happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's very tragic, very horrendous things. Yeah. But you know, things like that should make you a better person because you you're more conscious of the suffering i mean don't go further we can even make a comparison to the bad the bad character for what happened to monday mm -hmm. same thing she thought she was doing the right thing yeah and she was burning humans left and right mm -hmm. and lying to people telling them that they were going to cryogenic sleep yeah if you guys haven't watched that episode um we recorded with brie from let's chat live oh yes we had lots of fun so you guys should go and Listen to that episode. And, and that movie's awesome. Oh, yes. You should watch it too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I was I was thinking about that. and But then again, you know, that's what makes a great villain. Yeah. A aside from the great acting, obviously. Exactly. I think that the villain does a great job if they earn the hatred of the, of the audience. Yeah. The job is done right. But, you know, I wonder, because I heard... The Netflix is planning a part two to mm -hmm. this movie. So I wonder um, if they did it the way they did it, because you could still get away with bringing him back. I mean, maybe the maybe they never you never really show. I mean, you saw the explosion. Um, he was already not human. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, Again, I, I might be completely wrong here, but they're planning on part two. But maybe Cottenham actually saved him accidentally when he when she saved the crew. It's possible. That's plossible. That's another thing too. They, she wrapped around the ship with the nanobots. They're indestructible nanobots. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense that the hydrogen explosion never affected them. But didn't the 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 bad guy the villain he was right there because the bomb was inside the hole yes but if you think about it cutting him power she can actually uh bring back to life biomass so yes. she could have even bring she could have brought him back to life by accident which by the way that's a cool superpower oh my god bro she's got she she has nanobots that control biomatter. And that's and, and it became apparent on the very first scene when he when she comes into the ship. Um I think um There's a dead tomato tree. Yeah, Tiger Park. Um mm -hmm. he had a dead tomato tree that he was watering every day. But it, it's obvious it was dead. I mean, oh I was, my god, he was drowning in <laughs> In one scene, you see even a, a one of the branch fall off, and he's like, you see his face like 
Oh, shot that he f- <laughs> but the thing it was just a bunch of twigs yeah and he's just watering every day and here here she comes um the little girl comes in and uses her nanobots and now we have a green tree with tomatoes on it yeah and i was like oh my god that's she could be a really cool marble superhero oh my god man <laughs> well she will be she'll be like uh What's uh, Captain Vengeance mm-hmm. from Black Clover? Captain Planet. <laughs> oh, but, well, yeah, she could be Captain Planet too. But you know who I'm saying, right? Um, from Black Clover, Clover, Vengeance, uh, the oh, guy with the yes, mask. Yes, yes. His magic powers is like like rooting trees of life and stuff like exactly. that. <laughs> she, she could actually. Uh, they never really showed it, but her the reason why the villain wanted her. Uh, well, one of her nanobots is because that's the only one that he could manage to terraform Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, which instead of using the hydrogen bomb, I'm just nuking exactly. Mars with it. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, why I was saying is because we see now Earth terraformed at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But we never never saw her do. I mean, she did say, "I made up some trees," and you know, she's calling, she's telling the story as a little girl would tell. You know, like my uncle took me there, and and um, Uncle Park took his tattoos so he doesn't scare my friends, mm-hmm. and they took me, and I created trees. So, I wish if they come up with part two that we get to see her do that because that would be really reminiscent to captain vengeance it will give us closer to to see the progress of this that we just were giving a little glimpse by the end of the movie yeah or what the bright future will look like but that would have been cool to see that to see her like grow trees out of the earth and 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 then you see how the air cleaned up yeah so now we see earth and we can see Without you know the Earth, dust. Earth looks like the dome looked, yeah. Which is kind of unrealistic. Like, there's not many places on Earth that you can look at a place like that nowadays. Can I get to a very remote place in order to experience that? And it makes me wonder too. I mean, I know I said it at the beginning of this episode, but um, it makes me wonder too why he didn't do that. The the, the owner of this company instead of. I mean, I would think, you know, he already have the the he he already has the dome built. Mm-hmm. He has the people there; they want to move to Mars, and he seems. And and I don't know if you caught this or not. This is something that maybe I don't understand. Maybe I have to watch the movie more times to understand. But the villain seems to believe, and the reason why he's doing all this that. He has to make sure the Earth is viewed as um, unrepairable. Mm-hmm. So then he can take his group of people and move to Mars, and who cares about the rest, right? I always thought that didn't really make any sense to me. It doesn't. He had the group of people that was going to go with him to Mars. Mm-hmm. I think he would have a bigger blessing and he would have been looked upon as the person that he wanted to be looked upon if he terraformed Earth and then move on to Mars. It's human greed, if you think about it. 
because by keep by saving Earth or even not doing anything to Earth and just moving on to his plan, he's keeping the opposition alive. Mm-hmm. By killing Earth, he's eliminating anybody but the bunch of sheep that are with him on the dome that just adore him and do whatever he says. Yeah, and I was really glad that we're able to do that recording because that everybody in there you could see them gasping Mm -hmm. and for the first time you see them like at one at some point i feel slightly i mean they felt slightly guilty because they realize who they're following Mm -hmm. and all the atrocities that this person was about to commit and why i say feel slightly guilty is because it was obvious that they were turning a blind eye because yeah. it didn't concern them. It wasn't directly affecting it, them. It felt like they were really incapable to really <clears throat> grasp the severity of what this guy has been doing because that would entail them accepting fault in their participation by being there, really. Yeah. Because, I mean, who is a tyrant or a monster without any followers? Yeah. It's just a man. It's not, it's not a figure, it's not a monument, it's not something or ideal to follow. So, in reality, it's just a way, a self-defense mechanism, if you want to call it something, for them not to really take up blame that directly or indirectly, they or consciously or unconsciously, mm-hmm. they collaborated to make this guy who he was Yeah. at the end of the day. And yet, they... they they had some slight compassion. Yeah. Because so, I'm not saying they're bad yeah, for no, following him. Exactly. And, and you guys, when you watch this movie, let us know what you think too. But, but that's actually the sense. It's kind of like, how can I compare this? Like when you see an accident on the street, mm-hmm. you might call 911. Um, but not everybody's going to stop get off the car and if they if there's nobody to rescue they're gonna get themselves in there and try to get somebody out there it's the difference to that to to being a observer than what we hear in the news how someone jumped in the burning car i mean i'm not saying jump in the burning car no please <laughs> don't please, freaking do please that. don't <laughs> leave it to the professionals call call the the, the ambulance call the fire department. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is, that's the difference between observing and what you hear in the news of some, someone a hero, became a hero, hero by doing something to save someone. Mm-hmm. Putting themselves at risk, really. And, and that's what I see here is that they're, uh, the, the, the inhabitants of this dome were your typical observers. Mm-hmm. They probably don't even call 911. <laughs> no, uh, you know, they're I just think, like oh in the news I, I think they would I think they would but there would be those people that would like you know they get together at you know at a barbecue and say like you heard this at, at um, uh, this morning you know this car crashed and you know um, 10 people died you know oh my god poor families but you see what I mean I yeah. mean I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not explaining it right but um, that's kind of like the sense that I got from these I people. Know. I know. You know, and, and it, it's amazing to me that I am saying all this because something like this 
shouldn't be expressed in a movie shouldn't you know it this speaks to the to the it's a dark side of society yeah but i mean but it's real the fact that you see this the fact that you feel this when you watch this movie speaks to the skills of that director and, and that whole team oh, that made yeah. this movie yeah because i mean you could have told a story without bringing you in this is why i call this movie immersive yes um because it could be told the movie could still be awesome mm-hmm. um but he went into the point of making it making it immersive and i'm kind of wondering if, if this is just me or, or you because you know me and Giancarlo's we like to we go deep into these movies um so it, it makes me wonder and this is something that i'm curious and i'm going to put it up to the listeners if you want to reach out yes, and please. let us know um is it just us they could see this and and how brilliant the director is that made us feel this when the story could be told without uh because we maybe overthink when we watch the movies or is actually the movie that way like if you guys watch it and you if you notice this happening do you notice what we what we observe what we notice in this movie mm-hmm. I'm, i'm very curious about this but this is how i felt about this movie there is a lot of things that the movie could have done without but it wouldn't be immersive or, or the, it wouldn't be the immersive movie that it is now with all those parts included yeah so yeah the, the, i can't this movie is amazing and i can't wait um for a part two yeah and honestly i cannot recommend it enough that's the truth And I, I want to really see, like I want to see Bob's with a, with a sexy voice. Yeah. I told you <laughs> I was going to be pissed if they didn't get that. I got to see how pretty she was, but I didn't get to hear her pretty voice that she wanted so much. It's not because I wanted to see a girl with a pretty voice. It was more because I wanted to see her fulfilling her dream. Well, you know, I kind of get what you're saying because it's not that you, and I agree with that. It's not because I wanted to see her. I couldn't care less that she had Bob's voice by the end of the of the movie. Yeah. She was gorgeous. But so I didn't know, care about that. It was more like she dreamed about that and I wanted to see that fulfilled. What I, what I felt was, it's not that I wanted to see her, you know, I wanted to see a pretty face. I wanted to hear a pretty voice. My thing was, I identified with her slightly to the point where I wanted to see how she want to be perceived by the by the world. By the world, yeah. Because the, the figure, the shape, the body that she picks is something she picks. Mm-hmm. This is how she identifies herself. And the voice that she picks would be something that she picks. She's not yeah. picking the body or, or, or the voice because some other person said that she should have that you know because she wanted it's because she wanted so i wanted to see uh, we got to see how you know she wanted to be looked upon by the world because of the body she picked right Mm -hmm. which is not you know it's not a model body you know don't you know but it's it was pretty it was nice to see it how she you know she wanted to look she wanted to portray herself but i think i i the reason why i wanted part two is because i wanted to see that completed Mm -hmm. i wanted to see how again she's going to continue to be 
bubs because that's who she is. She's not going to change that. And it's apparent from the end of the movie. But now she's bubs with jugs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see what I mean. I mean, she's, Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> she's still um, as dangerous, you know, as she always was because she's still I mean, I mean, you have a badass chick just sitting in open a space yes reading a book with no space it how badass is that that man? is i have to say that is badass <laughs> i was like oh shit this looks so freaking awesome which is just sitting on a beach chair on the deck of the ship on, on space. space reading a book <laughs> with her hair just like spacing out I was like flowing wow, in space that's so freaking cool man that's, that's badass uh, yeah <laughs> so yes please i do want to see a part two <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely So, any final thoughts on, on this movie before we close in? I mean, this, I, you know, I I wish we could see more movies like this. Um, I, I'm, I'm It's nice because, you know, like, I, I, like I'm all right with people dying. I even made a joke that yes. everybody was safe. I was expecting somebody to die. But... Well, the villain died. Well... We think that we know, of, but I mean, <laughs> I think. mean, I mean, that was fulfilling to see that asshole. I mean, it, I, I actually he died and I didn't get to enjoy it. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing is we never got to actually see him die. Yeah. Um, but you know, it makes you wonder if that that was intentionally. Um, you know, maybe they're bringing him back for part two. Maybe he'll be a true monster because with the explosion, maybe he lost. You know, now maybe he's a complete robot or something. Oh, maybe you know? just his penis survived, so he's going to be called <laughs> Dr. Penis on the next movie. So it's going to be kind of a self-shaming little thing moving around. <laughs> I don't know. But, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, this movie is refreshing and it's warm-hearted movie. Yes. Yeah, and I was really surprised. I was kind of curious because, I mean, uh, the movie, not because it's a type of movie that I would like. You know, especially with a happy ending. It's a very emotional movie. It's a very emotional movie. Um, I I would have to I would have to say, if you're a father, and especially if you have girls like I, I do, father, they, there's a scene there. Oh yeah. That is going to be especially hard, um, because they he loses his daughter. We make our episode explicit, so I'm gonna say this for all fathers: it's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Big it, time. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, and like I told Giancarlo, that scene, the first time that I watched it, I, I couldn't stand up. For it got, about it got five me minutes. watery eyes, man. But um, I watched this movie so many times that I kind of got cured out of that. But I'm saying, if this is the first time you watch, just get ready for the final goodbye between Teo and his daughter, his Sonny. dead daughter, Sonny, is very, very emotional. Yes, man. Um, especially after you discover the backstory that happens, you know, between him and, and his daughter. I mean, he makes a behavior with just trying to imagine the guilt Yes. on his conscience. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, oh my God, I'm telling you, there's no other explanation or comparison. It's going to fuck you up. I mean, you're going to feel <laughs> it. You're going to feel it. But if you, if you're a dad, especially, or, or if you, if you, a mom, if you, if you have kids, especially little girls, This is gonna it's gonna be specially messed up. Yeah, it will. It will. It's gonna be hard. Brace yourselves. Have a little hug pillow. Try not to drink too much. The the good thing is, if I can say it, it has a happy thing, ending. It has a happy ending. That scene is not that long, 
and is necessary for the blood. Yes, absolutely. So it, it's it's a very harmful, you know. Basically, in that scene itself, it's was, closure. It's closure. Yeah. You know, he spends his in the entire movie trying to to get, get there, closure to do this, and yeah. that's the reason why he's sometimes acting as uh, heartless mm-hmm. and and you know all about the money but we kind of discover that the reason why is because he wants to set up this rescue operation that is a lot of money that he doesn't have mm-hmm. that he has to put up on cash so seeing that scene although as hard as it is uh it brought it brought closure yeah absolutely it, and it gives you um heartwarming feelings mm-hmm and, and made, I think, the movie's ending as good as it is because of that scene. I agree, I agree. Absolutely. So before I interrupt you, what was your closing remarks on this movie? What do you, you know, I know it wasn't your typical, you know, uh, movie. No, like I was telling you, like I, I was I was happy at the end, even though I was making fun, mm-hmm. that everybody from the crew got saved, like, when I saw the the resolution of how things were gonna end up happening, I was accepting that well, yeah. our our crew were gonna become heroes, and yeah. not in the way that we like heroes to become heroes. They were gonna become martyrs. Yeah, and I, I kind of saw the same thing. I was expecting okay, you know, they save Earth, and they're gonna be remembered for mm-hmm. years to come. And sad, they're all dead. But this movie has a happy ending. Has a great mixture of emotional and at the same time comedy yes. it's full of it and action oh my god and i think that the movie has great special effects too yes very very good special effects so it's completely enjoyable for me this movie it's a nine to ten absolutely and, and this is something acting. this is something that i talked on the uh blockbuster podcast is this movie was uh, it cost 21 million dollars to make and the special effects on it is of a, of a $400 million movie. Mm-hmm. It's great. It, it's amazing. And it makes you wonder, you know, can, can this be replicated? Because, you know, when you see a movie that has a budget of $20 million, it doesn't have the effects that you see in this no, movie. No, no, it doesn't. So, I mean, I wonder, you know, like, why then why these movies that we see that are really good that has this big special effects budget mm-hmm. why would they cost like 400 500,000 you know 5 500 million dollars uh to make when this one accomplished it in 20 i would venture to say that i mean i'm not saying that the cast was not worth it i think the cast was more than that but when it comes to hollywood usually casting can be a lot more costly too and i'm sure Netflix is extremely happy. Yes. Because uh, this is a Netflix ex- exclusive movie. But they acquired that quality. Yeah. So they hired this they got company. nothing on, like Hollywood got nothing on Netflix with this movie. No. I got to say. And, and and again, don't 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 take our word for it. No. Go um, check it. L- go check it out and let's have that conversation. Let us know what you think. Um, if you agree that the, the quality and the special effects in this movie on a $20 million budget, it matches, you know, anything that is $200, 300000000 million. Um, and uh, if you don't know by now, we do have a Discord. It's in our um, links. Uh, so join up and uh, let's discuss this movie. 
Uh, and again, thank you so much for um, joining us. And I hope that you join us for future episodes. Absolutely. I'll be there to discuss and contradict you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, this is the end of our show for now. Please let us know if you like this episode. And if you have any idea about which topics you would like us to discuss in our next episodes, please reach out. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, share it. And don't forget to rate us in your favorite podcast platform. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off. Next on Science Fiction Remnant. This is season one, episode 52, movie, The Tomorrow War. And it goes right into a theory that I, I, I was actually listening to where that we are always traveling into the future. Now, what I think is all these dead people will literally just reappear and the reality before that is completely changed. Just like what happens in the movie Frequency. Now, let me throw the, a wrench into your machinery there. Oh, this is a spaghetti here. <laughs> 